0: Welcome back to Autism, a New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we do always encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. And in this special podcast, we have a special guest, Dr. Tom Atkinson. Tom is an RDI parent, an RDI consultant, and a psychologist. And he talks to us about the need for well being for our parents. Of children who are vulnerable. Let's listen in. Today we are talking about well-being and our parents. Uh, I have a wonderful guest that I had the privilege of hearing speak recently at a conference, Tom Atkinson, and one of the the things that really touches me the most about Tom presenting on this topic uh, is that he is also an RDI parent, also was certified in 2011 as an RDI consultant. Uh, we serve on the advisory board member for RDI. so I've had the pleasure of getting to know him. He's a research psychologist, a learning and development consultant. Uh, we really couldn't be in better hands uh, to talk about this topic of well-being um, as parents. And Tom, I wanted to welcome you first. Thank you for being here and I, I wanted to start off by saying, as a, a lay person to well-being, uh, I just decided to, to Google what well-being was. And it said the state of being comfortable, healthy,
1: or happy. Did did, did do you
0: agree with this? I thought it was pretty
1: simplistic. Sounds that sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. Well-being, yeah. comfortable, healthy, and happy. Yeah, I think that's a nice I thought it was
0: really interesting that it was so simple because it yeah. turns out, it's not really that simple to have well-being, you know. Yes,
1: easier said than done, sure.
0: So that's why we're talking today about this. The other thing I found when I'm doing my little little personal search, and and I have to confess, this slide is in here because I like the diagram. Like I like <laughs> I like the way they designed it. Sure. But the thing that I found, Tom, and I I wanted to ask you first is. There are a lot of things around that dimensions of well-being. I mean, if does it take a couple of them being off to suffer well for well-being to suffer, or just only one? I mean, they all seem pretty important to
1: me. Sure, sure. What well, do you find? Um, I I think there are well. We can uh, the audience will have ideas about what the dimensions are for them. This is a good sort of uh, list of sort of triggers, potential triggers. And uh, what I th- think of is oh, a couple of thoughts, but one is I think about the kind of world that we're living in these days where we have so many literally existential crises. We worry about the fate of the planet, We worry about uh, COVID and uh, on a global basis. We worry about economic things, we worry about wars. And every one of those affects our well-being we're just one person on the planet but, we're, but it's our planet and those things are happening around us all the time so you know the, I, I think of this also as sort of like a uh, like an alarm panel you know with, you can have red lights or green lights and and you know if anyone of those starts flashing can can uh, you know set set you off so um there, that's, we, a there, we, that's a really interesting imagery
0: because I also think of, you know, Tom, when like one red light comes on and then another one comes on and you feel like there's going to be a whole system failure.
1: Yeah. It's almost like one leads to another, you know? Sure, sure. And yet we don't want to live in a bubble where we're oblivious to everything around us, but we have to, to manage the, the, our intake of information, particularly things that we can't really do anything about. All we can do is feel bad or worried. You know, we want to try to you know, kind of manage that uh, that that, uh, input. Some people go on sort of news diets. Um, I'm bad at this because I tend to start my day and end my day with news. But uh, I think the reason I I do that is because, you know, I I care about myself and people around me, my community and the planet, and I want to know, how are we doing? Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the channels by which you get that information want to say, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. So you have to careful what you take in and also what, how you act
0: on. Yeah, I know, you know, that, uh, back in the day, as they say, I was in news for about 15 years and, uh, they always told me, you know, particularly when I was reporting news, like, um, on, on radio morning shows, that kind of thing. We want you to lead with all these, what we would now call kind of trigger topics, financial heart things, And they gave me a list of, I had to find stories connected to that. And the interesting thing was, most of it was not positive. Like most of what you could find on those stories was more negative in nature, uh, sadly. Uh, But that was more what what drove ratings. Isn't that? I remember the
1: slogan, if it it bleeds, it leads. (laughs) Remember that one? It's still true. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It clicks. It's clicks now, but uh, you know it's the uh, likes and not likes and all kinds of things like that. But it's still it's still the same thing. So I think that's really good input. Uh, so I wanted everybody to kind of see this so they could think about their lives because when you have a vulnerable child, there's so many of these circles that get affected. So both you and I have raised vulnerable children, and that's just. That's just a, a whole nother level of, of yes. parenting and um, emotional struggles, and it really um, challenges the well-being of our parents, yes. uh, and I think we know that as parents, um, so this is the big question that we want you to answer. <laughs> it's such a simple question. Why is it so hard for our parents to focus on their own well-being, Tom?
1: Sure. Well, I, I really do feel connected to this community because I feel like I'm a member of the community, and you know, I had a, a vulnerable, have a, a vulnerable child, um, and uh, so I feel like I'm sort of in in, in the game with everybody uh, else. Um, and fortunately, I also bring other perspectives to the the table from my academic, you know, background research background, my background as a, as a psychologist. But I so I, I kind of wear multiple hats. But one of them is certainly a parent, and I do know that, that it's hard for parents to focus on well-being, particularly I'd say in the early stages of realizing your child is vulnerable and f- trying to figure out what the, the problem is and what we should do about it and who is going to help. It's it's easy to get you know, wrapped up in uh, you know focusing on the the child to and forget about the like world events as I we were just talking about now. You're just worried about your home and your community helping things work day to day. Um, and um, I think as a result, our own well-being often takes a back seat. And um, you know, I've had conversations with parents about this. And you know, some parents are even mixed about whether or not well-being is a good thing to focus on. It's like, I don't have time for well-being. I have time for my well-being of my child. And that's, you know, forget about happiness. And they don't often say that, but sometimes they act that that way. But I think about the airlines, and they, they always say, in the event of an emergency, put your own mask on first before helping others. And I think that there's wisdom to, to that because um, you know if you're a stressed out parent, you know you're not as well, Your child's learning from you perhaps is how to, how to be stressed out versus you know how to handle situations in a you know a way that fosters you know well being. And that is easier is easier said than done. Um, so I always encourage parents, you know, to just, you know, give themselves permission to take a break and focus on their own well-being. because, and and if you don't, if that makes you feel guilty, think of it as a way that you're going to bring even more benefit to your uh, child and to your family because you're grounded and and centered and, and feeling, feeling good. Um, by the way, there's been some I've noticed over the years that there's been some change in the wording of well-being, and even in your as you did a Google search for the title of this topic, you know, it used to be happiness was the thing, and there's a whole field of like positive psychology that is uh, the the, um, the vision was can we focus on not just on helping people overcome mental illness, but on just even if they don't if if they don't have mental illness, how can they Uh, be happier in in life um but some people said well you know my goal in life isn't to be jubilant or even to be like giddy happy all the time that's a nice side effect of me doing something that that is valuable to me and so I think that the term has um, evolved into well-being which is hard to disagree with but or or um uh self actualization is a term that's been around since abraham maslow but but the idea is on a well being on a sort of a higher level so the pieces fit together and i'm doing the best i can do in my situ- situation I'm not necessarily ecstatic but uh, I, i'm where i want to be
0: i like i like that and i i really felt for what you were saying about parents saying you know I don't need to think about my well-being. I want to think about my, I want to think about my child's well-being, but that those those things can't be, so to speak, divorced from themselves. That if a parent is, is not having well-being, that's going to affect their child. And this sure. is a slide that you presented at a conference, a predictors of well-being and longevity. I, I inserted it here as we're talking about our parents who struggle. Because I think it, I really think so many of these things that they might have been maybe not thinking about with this kind of wording, but thinking about in their lives before they had a vulnerable child and after they stopped thinking about them. What do you think? Yeah,
1: sure, sure. Well, sure, I think having a vulnerable child changes your perspective on a number of of ways. Um, Just I can give you a little background on this slide. This comes from well-being um, research, and there, there's a study done by Harvard University. It's like the longest longitudinal study ever <laughs> of people, and it was started in the 1930s, and and they um, wanted to know what foster what leads to a long, happy life. And they they followed a group of people. Some were Harvard students, and some were just people normal people from the city of Boston, they all were men, because it was 1930s and that's what they did in studies at that time. But they tracked them over essentially their whole lives. And they tried to figure out what so of the people who are having the best outcomes and living the longest, uh, what do they have in common? And they took all of their hundred years of research and they come up with three three you know buckets. Um, and, and by the the short story is it's not fame or fortune or control or power. It's about number one having values and purpose. So I feel like there's a good reason to get up in the morning and I'm kind of living the values that are important to me. That's number one. This the second is life-affirming relationships, which means which you can think of it as not being isolated. That you you don't necessarily have you know a thousand contacts on the internet, but you've got um, a, a, a core group of people that you know who care about each other they care about you you care about them Um, and they kind of are life affirming. Um, I spoke to a researcher once who studied thousands of people on the topic of stress management and uh, I I said to him after his talk I said there's only one question that you could ask somebody to know how they're going to do when times get tough. What would you ask him? He said, I would say, is there somebody in your life who will just appear at the right moment, look you in the eye and say, Kat, are you okay? And he said, that predicts which path you're going to take in life. And not everybody can say yes, unfortunately. So that's something we can, can work on. So life from, from relationships, lot to say about relationships. The other thing is responding to challenges. And this is something every parent needs you to know instead of when, when things go wrong, what do you uh, do? And like, to what kind of stress management do you do? You know, because some people, when faced with a minor challenge, will kind of, kids perhaps, as they're, they're developing, will fall, fall apart or, you know, raise the, the flag of distress. And other people have lots of challenges and they sort of take them in, in stride. So, you know, what, uh, you know, what makes the difference there. Um, and I can also, from personal experience, I, I once interviewed a, a, a physician in a, uh, an emergency room in a hospital. And I said, what's the first thing you do when an ambulance is driving up to your building? And you know, and you know a seriously injured person is going to be inside. said, so the first thing I do is I stop, focus on my breathing and I take my pulse. So, start here. Wow. So that, that's, um, and Then I can take care of other people. so those are those are three things very important buckets and you know there's a lot to say about each one of those but they're pretty simple to describe but in your own life you can think about how powerful those things might be
0: oh yeah and the the challenges that come our way with parents are many times things we I'll speak for myself weren't really prepared for Uh, and when that's the case it kind of it affects everything else, your purpose, your life-affirming relationships, everything. And that's not in the form of a complaint. It's just a reality. Sure. It uh, happens. Sure. Um, so this is another slide you presented. Um, actually, I have to laugh. You know, when I talk to my parents about stress um, and coping with stress, they, in some ways, they've accepted this level of stress that they live with as, um, oh, Tom, maybe they're natural. Like, just it's just become a thing that they feel they just got to be under. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's necessarily coping. Am I wrong?
1: Uh, well, I, I guess the question is, is, can you do anything about it or not? You know, there are certain things that maybe we do need to just find ways to adapt to, but oftentimes we can take some action to Uh, to to change the environment to change something that would make remove the stress versus just becoming resolved to it i think becoming resolved to stress would not be a good coping mechanism saying just life is tough and you just things just you know pile up there's always there's often actions we can take
0: yeah um it's kind of like the i i um had a woman in my life when I was growing up she was kind of like a, a mother to my mom and she would say life is hard at best and I remember thinking when I was a little kid I mean I was just a little kid I was like that's kind of negative <laughs> <laughs>
1: but
0: you know this was a woman who, who'd been through World War II her husband had been in an internment camp I mean she had yeah. been through a lot right sure and so she had seen a lot of hardship but oh, yeah. I I think um, what I like about this is you go through identifying what is stress? What are the sources of
1: stress? How do you deal
0: with stress? This is a great, great slide.
1: So think about how it affects me and why it's affecting me um, and um, what what does it mean to me? Is it affecting me in terms of my relationships? Is it financial stress? Is it uh, physical? So am I worried about my physical health? you know, COVID is a great example of a stressful life event. Uh, being a, just the idea of COVID, first of all, what's kind of odd about it is that first of all, it's invisible. You don't want to like you talk to any military person on the planet; they'll say we don't do invisible. <laughs> you got you got to see what you're up against, um, and um, so and and it affects like everybody. Um, it it it, and it can be. Um, physically debilitating or not maybe it's just a common cold or maybe it'll kill you you know it's like early on we didn't we know the difference so it's like it's like, like designed to be uh stressful so uh, so that would be an example of a very stressful event but in another event when I was in grad school I studied unemployment because that was something that was identified as being very uh, an event that carries a lot of weight because it affects your, your financial ability, the ability to put food on the table, a roof over your head. It affects how you look at yourself and how you, your your network looks at you, your relationships. So it has multiple levels, and it certainly put you know, our vulnerable children in that you know category because it affects you know, how we spend our time and who we spend our time with. And I, I spent a lot of time with professionals and other parents and, and kids in those days, but it wasn't my network I had before then. Mm. So, um, of course, that wasn't necessarily a source of a trigger. That was uh, a good thing. You know, I, I got a lot of value from those relationships.
0: Well, you know, when I talk to my parents about stress, I think they feel like they can identify it because they are already knowing the situation they're in that's stressful. I think they can definitely identify at least some trigger. It may may be just the fact that their child is so vulnerable at some points and other points more specific, but when it comes to the coping or the tools, that's more challenging because some of the coping can, and I understand this, I know we both do, can be you know, to just kind of either dismiss the stress as why well, I've just got to power through the stress because yeah. uh, I've got to power through it. Um, if you talk about positive, which we're going to talk about positive psychology, but would you talk about that, you're not particularly feeling positive
1: yeah. uh, about um, there being, um, having somebody struggling about
0: planning and trying to deal with their own stress, Tom, I think it sounds time consuming to them, which is often, and I know you know this, uh, one of the things parents
1: feel like they don't have, right? Sure, they'll have a lot of free time. I, I'll tell you just a funny little anecdote. I was in a fitness club once with a bunch of male, male business executives, and, and two of them were complaining to each other about how stressful their jobs were, and one said to the other, "Say, Joe, did you ever think about um, like meditation?" And the uh, Joe rolled his eyes and says, "Oh, those all those people want you to do is breathe in and out all day long. I'm a busy person." <laughs> <laughs> but as parents, we're busy too. Although we do need to breathe in and out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so do our kids. And, you know, it's helpful to to kind of focus on that as a stress management. As the beginning of stress management, a lot of it's about breathing and focusing on your body. Absolutely. So I think we're going to talk some more about
0: these things, and yeah. um, I really love what's coming up here. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I heard you speak on was practicing gratitude and positive thinking. Yeah. Um, and I I really uh, I really appreciate your perspective on this as a parent because. I know that your child is older now, so you've, you've been through some things, as I have, um, and I think the fact that you can speak about a positive uh, po- a practice of gratitude and positive thinking to us as parents is really a great thing. How how do you do that?
1: Well, there, there's a whole body of research on this. I mean, actually, we know that the School of Positive Psychology has studied this, and they know that Um, practicing gratitude really leads to a feeling of of well-being and all the good things that go with that they've and they've done it they've looked done research studies they've had people do um, gratitude logs every day they write things down and they've done it very systematically Um, or or just simply to set aside time I do this myself set aside time in the morning just think about sort of the checklist of things that that are going that I feel good about and um you know, those things really do um, do have a, a big payoff, and um, so um, and and also it, it goes both ways. When you practice gratitude and express gratitude to somebody else, you know that helps them improve their own well-being. So, so gratitude and positive thinking are um, are very powerful. The other thing I say is about gratitude is, that as a vulnerable parent. You know, I've spent more time than I ever wanted to in um, clinics and medical facilities and doctors' offices and stuff. But I'll tell you, I, I I rarely have gone to a place like that not come away feeling grateful that I'm not in the situation of somebody else I've encountered there. You know, so it's you know, so it, it helps you put things in perspective in that you, know, you see. I always see people with challenges bigger than mine. Um, So so gratitude and positive thinking is is, is one key thing to keep to to focus on. It's also easy. I think it's easy to do um, and you don't have, it doesn't take hours of time. It's just really a thought exercise. Um, If you go to a home home, uh, day course store these days, you can buy like a little jug that they, they sell where you put your uh, things you're grateful for in it, inside it. Grateful jar. You can make one yourself. You don't have to buy one. But some people do those and do little rituals at the end of the year. Or what, when they're feeling down, they reach inside and pull something out. Oh. There's, there's all kinds of ways you can do, make this happen. But the old idea is just taking time to express gratitude as opposed to the opposite. like feeling like you're a victim and that things are never going to get better and, you know that, that way. So, the, so that's one. Um, should we go? Do you want me to keep going? Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, the, we can go down or across. So they, they, the second is investing in social. I'm not putting these in order, although gratitude is really like, as a centerpiece. Investing in social relations um, we know is critical. I told you the, the research shows that if you've got somebody who cares about you, you're much more likely to weather you know, storms that, than if not. So and we know that people who are more um, extroverted tend to do better under stressful situations be, because they, can, they connect, they reach out, they don't get isolated. So, so investing in those social connections. And I don't have to tell anybody, if you're all RDI parents, I don't have to tell you about in the value of investing in social connections because that's how you spend your life. That's what RDI is all about. Um, Taking care of body and soul means taking time for yourself, doing the meditation or the yoga or whatever is working for you, or at least being being mindful of what you're putting into your body and you're feeling good physically. Keep in mind that you are a human being and you need to to, literally take care of yourself. And if that that makes you feel guilty, just remember that that makes you more able to help your child if if you're not... sick or anxious or feeling feeling under the weather so um so those are some other thoughts there by the way there's a book called uh, the um, happiness uh that how of happiness that goes into detail on these so just you get the book and read it there's lots of exercises and things but but you get the idea just from this slide living in the present is another one it's so easy to eat to to get distracted by things that have happened in the past that we can't do anything about. And what if, how did we get here anyway? And what should we have done differently? You know, you can live in the past where you can worry about the future. Like, you know, how are we ever going to do this or what, what if this happens or what if that happens? Um, And not not that it has to be negative, because there are good things that happen in the past and in the future. But the idea of living in the present is this is where we make a difference or not. we get up in the morning and we we respond to our our child the best way that that we can. And, you know, we're there for them. Um, And we're not, you know, distracted or, you know, taken away by things that we can't control. So living in the present is another. uh, And and, and this doesn't take a lot of exercise. It's just being aware of it and the value of it and, and, and doing it. Um, it's also another RDI thing. It's, we, we really focus on every little aspect of relationship building that other parents probably wouldn't even give thought to because, you know, we know it's really important. Are you connecting? Are you co-regulating? Or does your child understand what you're, what you're saying? Are you looking at each other? You know, those kinds of things. That's all part of living in the present. Um and then committing to goals. If you want to change anything, as a psychologist, I can tell you you need to think about what is it is you want to change. What's your goal? What's the benefit of doing it? What is it going to take? What's going to get in the way? Um, and there's a little worksheet that will show you that you can use for um, thinking about your plans for uh, well-being. Uh, and then finally, managing stress, hardship, and trauma. This is when you know, things go wrong, and I don't have to tell you about that one either, you know, we often start in a crisis phase with um, RDI, but it's like, when do you need to bring in the CAT the, the Lees and, uh, and teams to help you get back on, on track? You know, I've certainly done my share of that, um, but also it's it's good to know that, that you have members of your team who can help with an emergency and that you're not on your own, and uh, uh, but we we'll, would we'll hope that you stay out of that bucket most of the time.
0: You so know, I, coping activities. Well, I uh, I love every one of these bubbles, and I wanted to say that one of the things I found about trying to live in the present was important, is that if you were always living in the future, like, what, what's this going to be like, or we're not moving fast enough toward this, or whatever, you weren't really, as a parent, I wasn't appreciating the moment with my child or my children Mm. or my family. I wasn't. And that is, and what I would say to parents is that moment, that time is not going to come again. I mean, time moves on as they say. And so you don't want to miss out on being able to appreciate that for the fact of thinking about, I've got to get to this place in three months. It really can. There's only so much space in your brain. (laughs) Sure. That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah. One, one thing I like about RDIs is it's very visually oriented and we're always recording. The technology's improved over time, but uh, we're always re- recording on our phones or other devices, like what's happening you know, right now. And uh, yeah. of, course, of course, after it's happened, then it's the past. so We don't want to dwell on it, but we do want to you know, capture it and remember, it, build on it. And the other thing was um, some of my
0: families, and and I know we understand this, they laugh at the idea of social connections. They kind of feel like they're, and I don't want to speak for everyone or tell everybody how they feel, but I've definitely had families who, they were like, you know, when I ended up having a vulnerable child, my social connections fell away. Everything and everybody I thought I was going to do something with, I happened. Uh, and I think that really can happen uh, to parents where they just fall away from those connections and they're so important, Tom.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think it, it, uh, sure. And even connections within the family because the temptation is <laughs> to spend like all of your time with the vulnerable child and blocking out everything else. So, so that's important to, to keep in mind as well, balancing those relationships. This is the the plan that I t- pointed to earlier. Just some simple questions to think about, because um, and what the benefit of thinking about what you want to do differently and the, coming up with a plan is, of course, it's more likely to happen. Um, and um, uh, so the, these are these are time tested tools that would questions that would help you you do that. Just think simply about what you want to do differently. It doesn't it doesn't have to be complicated. But, and it could just be sort of, you know, one thing um, at a time. Um, so, I could, just to, as an example, uh, I was saying that, you know, we, we don't want to get overwhelmed with external events and, and put yourself on a kind of news diet. So what you might plan to do is, you know, maybe not watch cable TV news every night before you go to sleep or you know, switch to something else, or, or, or at least not every night. So that kind of thing. Simple changes can make a big difference. Oh, I love this. And what's
0: interesting is, you know, I I love the questions like, why does it matter? So it's not just what do you plan to do, but but why does it matter that you're going to do that? So it's really thinking through that. And I love how do you measure success. That is an area, I think, Tom, that it doesn't occur to us as parents that, that if we put a plan into place for our well-being, how, what, how do we know if we're moving toward that goal? Sure, so I love
1: of, that. Sure, yeah. one thing that doesn't say here, but it, keep in mind is um, sharing your plan publicly, publicly meaning like with another person, makes it more likely you'll do it. And also it's a way of getting input from your relation, relationships that you have. So you might wanna say, you know, particularly with other parents, who might be going through similar challenges? You could say, "Here's what I'm thinking about. What do you, what's your idea?" I love the, the who might be helpful and how because
0: because I love thinking about the who again, not cutting the, ourselves off or trying to go it completely alone. And then the last thing there on the right, how and when might you celebrate? What does what, what does that one mean?
1: Well, it's it's just thinking about what might be a good way to put it, acknowledge your progress and make it sort of real. So, I mean, classic would be going out to dinner with your spouse, maybe to think about your how well you've done with your taking action with your child, perhaps during that week. Um, but, you know, the, the celebration can be at the end of the day or just end of day. It can also, it doesn't have to be a big, you know, set off fireworks celebration. It can be just like an end of day reflection. Uh, It can almost go with your gratitude time, right? When you're thinking about what you're grateful for, you can also think, well, that's it really is gratitude, isn't it? It's like, what might I celebrate? Well, I was able to take some action in this day that really seemed to to pay off. So I'm grateful for that.
0: I I love that, though I am disappointed not to set off fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) We can still have a good dinner. Exactly. I do find that sometimes the wonderful families I work with, they haven't really thought of celebrating goals that met their own well-being. They, they some I, Again, I sometimes think it goes back to, do I have time to celebrate, Tom? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And, which is interesting to think about because we really need to.
1: Yeah. It might, it might also be a celebration of something that the, you and the child have done together. Um, what would be an example of uh, uh, something that you could, that you could point to that a child would recognize something that you built together, some, something that you've overcome uh, something. um, Well, my, my, my son was, uh, had a phobia of dogs uh, earlier in his life and he would literally, literally run out of the run away if he saw a dog coming and he got over that and that was the reason for celebration and we when we learned about it it was actually we thought he was afraid of being bitten by the dog but it turned out he had the same reaction around babies and you know what it was it was the sound mm-hmm. he was afraid of being caught with a loud noise cuz he just couldn't process it it was like physically you know he couldn't go to the fireworks or anything like that so um uh, but through over time he got used to being around dogs and and actually likes dogs and and he he, um he started petting his therapist dog once and i said that that's a cause for celebration overcome something in your life
0: i love that and i would just say to parents who are listening we we have reasons to celebrate and we need to allow ourselves to celebrate tom and and allow ourselves that time which brings me to this which is you know, parents, we know you love your children. And what we would say is what Tom said in the beginning is that your well-being is important for their sake. So for your child's yes. sake and for yours. And that was
1: the message we wanted to give today. Right, Tom? It, you're right. And, and the, the, the one benefit of learning about well-being is that you have an opportunity to teach your child to learn well-being. Because we know that one of the challenges Dr. Gutstein's latest research shows is that as kids um, on the autism spectrum get into adulthood, they're often challenged with, like, well-being. They feel they're vulnerable, isolated, and so forth. And Here's a way to prevent that and give your child a, a, a boost in life. And thank you for joining us for
0: Autism, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child And we always encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.